This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Today on the WOMED, I am very excited for this guest. Me too. Yes, she <laughs> is a bad boss financial advisor. She's the number one New York Times bestselling author. She is the host of the Rachel Cruz Show, the Rachel Cruz Show podcast. And Rachel helps people learn the proper way to handle money and stay out of debt. She's authored Woo. three bestselling books, including Love Your Life, Not Theirs, and Smart Money, Smart Kids, which she co-wrote with her father, Dave Ramsey. And the reason I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today is because people in healthcare are notoriously terrible with money, including me, although I'm getting better. So I'm, I'm always open to learning. And I think it's important for women in general, nurses, doctors, honestly, everyone, we all need to listen to this because we have a very Uh, different mentality towards money in comparison to the rest of the world. So thank you, Rachel, so, so much. I wasn't able to like pay off my student loans until I got off the bachelor and started doing ads. So. Hey, there you go. However, whatever it takes. Right? I <laughs> yes. well, thank you guys so much for having me on. This is so fun. Thanks yeah. for coming on. We're so excited to talk to you. I'm so yeah. glad. Well, it's, a, it's an important topic. And like you said, especially in the medical world, there's a lot of a lot of debts, but a lot of hope, though, <laughs> in regards to it. So it's great. Well, good. That's what I like to hear for this episode. Our lubrication question is, what is the funniest thing you ever saw a stranger do? The funniest thing I've ever seen a stranger do? Yeah. I travel a lot. And so airport people <laughs> are some of the strangest people ever. And it's the best people watching. And so... um Oh gosh, I don't know why that came in my head. I I feel like anyone that like matches their clothes with their dog, I think is the funniest thing. <laughs> oh and, my god, that's amazing. Oh, I've seen so many airport people with their little dogs and they have matching sweaters and the dog comes on as like a carry-on, you know, whatever, and they're <laughs> in the seat and they're like matching sweaters. I'm always like, wow, that's you. Like you did that. Like <laughs> you, you did purposely that. <laughs> You did that. Yes, you did. <laughs> Well, some people so really funny. resemble their animals too. So I, I think that's even funnier. <laughs> totally, like if they're dressed yes. alike and they resemble each other. They do. It's crazy, isn't it? I know. I haven't seen 101 Dalmatians, like the cartoon movie, in 15, 20 years. I mean, or however long. And we just went on a Disney cruise this summer. Oh, oh we survived goodness. it. It was great. All the things. But they had all these Disney <laughs> movies. So my two girls were like, we want to watch one, the dog one. And I was like, oh, yeah. And the whole beginning scene, which I totally forgot about, is like all these people as the oh, dogs yeah. watching. Oh, and they all look right. like the little pug and then the little yes. lady. Like, I was like, yeah. That's and the one lady though. with the like, long that. hair looks like that one. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, that's like, real life. I was like, girls, you're getting a great life lesson. This is real. Like, this is, <laughs> that is dogs real. look like the their own princess mentality. <laughs> not so real. But <laughs> totally, totally, totally. <laughs> Owners will always resemble their dogs in some, some fashion. It's so true. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, Danny, what about you? What's the funniest thing you've ever seen a stranger do? Well, mine was actually is actually dog related. I when I first moved to Baltimore City, I live right in the middle of the city. So it's not the cleanest area. And it's actually pretty dangerous. And I was walking my dog that I still have Welsh Corgi at the time. And this drunk guy wanders up to me and he was like a drunk hippie. So he was really like lovey and whatever. And he's like, 
oh my gosh, is that a Welsh Corgi? And I was like, yeah. And Char my dog is super friendly. And he's like, you know, wagging his tail and looking up at him. And the guy gets on the ground in Baltimore City. And my dog's really short, lays down next to him. And my no. dog starts just licking his face and his neck. And I'm thinking like, oh, this is gross. Like, this is really gross. And he's rolling around. He's on his back. He's like, pick Charlie up. He's holding him. And I'm just oh like, gosh. okay, please get me out of here now. But yeah. It was really Did you odd. Did I give him a bath? Oh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but I still was thinking to myself, I, and I've never seen it again. No one's ever done that again. I I don't know why that guy was just like high on life or something or uh, mushrooms or something. So <laughs> funny. <laughs> so. Isn't it funny when you think back on those memories? You're like, I probably would have reacted so differently if I knew that was coming. But in the moment, you're like, what's happening? Yeah, I just let like it happen. You have your phone out. I just let it happen. I just let him lay on the ground. And this went on for like five minutes. And I was just like, how do I get away from this person? Oh, my gosh. So, so yeah. So what about you, Dee? Well, I actually did have my phone out for this. And it was back when I was working like four different jobs because as a nurse, I can't survive. And I was working at this IV hydration clinic, which is right next to this like big bar and stuff downtown, which is perfect because all these drunk people come or they come before they decide to get drunk and get hydrated and uh, then go about their day. These two business guys were probably, they were like on their lunch break. I see them come out of the tin roof <laughs> and come in front of our door, which has one of those like screen print things on. So I don't think they saw, thought anyone could see out of it. And they thought they were being discreet and like tucking in behind this door, which was literally in full view of me. This like old business guy lights up a bong. <laughs> oh my God. On in front of the clinic. And I'm like, this is happening right now. <laughs> this is my life this right is happening now. right in front of me. And I'm seeing everything. <laughs> and I'm like waving. He can't see. <laughs> Funny. It's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just. It's a two-way mirror. Yeah. So like, there's someone back here. You have no idea. No idea. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. It was a really, really entertaining day. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> All right, y'all. Nine times out of 10, shopping online beats going to the store. I pretty much only choose to shop online these days. I can take the time I want to research exactly what I want to buy. I don't have to waste gas to drive to the store and find parking. And I never have to realize that something I want is out of stock when I get there. But nine times out of 10, you're overpaying if you're not using Honey. Honey is a free browser extension that finds the best deals when you shop online and applies them automatically for you at checkout. In other words, Honey's pretty much my best friend. Like just yesterday, I was buying a new sports bra online, and just by going about my normal shopping, Honey saved me $7.21 when I got to the checkout. It was such a great feeling. And just think, the average Honey user saves about $126 per year. That's like buying, say, all your Halloween decorations for your next party a flight home for the holidays, or maybe 42 $3 tacos from your favorite taco spot in town. Listen, there's no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use, installs on your computer in just two clicks, and it will save you money so you can treat yourself to something nice. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash WOMED. That's joinhoney.com slash WOMED. 
could you start off by telling us how you got involved in this uh, and what your path has been? Yes. So I kind of started back, I mean, I would say really in high school, which kind of sounds crazy, but I started traveling with my dad. They would put on these massive total money makeover events is what they were called. And it was like all everything personal finance you needed to know in a really fun day. And we'd travel all over the country and he'd do them on the weekends and there'd be you know, anywhere from seven to 10,000 people in these big stadiums. And at 15, I started traveling with him on some of the weekends and speaking and just doing like a little pitch before one of the breaks on all of our kids products about teaching your kids about money. And so being Dave Ramsey's kid, they were, you know, someone at the office was like, oh my gosh, you could do some great stories. And like, it'd be so fun. People would love to hear from you. And so during that time is really when I fell in love with public speaking. I mean, I just, I enjoyed it. I loved it. And then I kind of put it on the back burner, went to college. I went to the University of Tennessee and studied communications. And are you, are you a UT grad? No, I just love Tennessee. Oh, I'm so glad because you're here. Yeah, we're in Nashville together, which is so fun. I know. It's so great. (laughs) And so I went to college and that's when my light bulb kind of went on on the in the sense that I was realizing, wow, my peers had no clue how to handle money. I mean, they were getting into student loan debt, signing up for credit cards. I mean, it was just like these things that I always knew what not to do, they were doing. And I remember thinking, mm-hmm. even at 19 years old, I was like, I'm 19. I don't have all the answers. I mean, I don't know a ton, but I know that like the decisions they're making today are going to affect them in the next 10 to 15 years of their life, because I was seeing those people at those events back in high school, right? So I'm like, it was all just kind of this full circle for me. And I just really grew a heart for helping people understand how money works. So when I graduated from college, which was about 10 years ago, I just kind of put the two together. And I was like, I just want to travel and speak and help people with their money. And so that's just evolved in 10 years, more than just speaking, obviously, writing, books and doing a show and getting content out to all kinds of people. I mean, but my main kind of demographic that gravitates towards me naturally is women, uh, a lot of moms, but people that just want to live a great life, but still be wise with their money. And so that's uh, the hope and the instruction and inspiration I try to give people. And it's been great. It's so fun. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah, well, we're really glad you're here. And we're glad you're doing it too. And there's obviously a huge need for it. I wish I would have had a friend like you when I was 19. Oh my God. (laughs) Like I'm the epitome of financial mistakes. I'm sure there's worse than me, but there's certainly a lot better. Danielle and I wanted to make this podcast as like down and dirty and as helpful to people as possible. And by the way, we've all made money mistakes. (laughs) Even me, I'm not immune to them. So like, don't worry. (laughs) My dad always told me, he's like, you have to, the, the problem is that you have to have a credit card so you can build up some credit, but you also have to be able to pay it all down. So it always felt like there's this like imbalance between, okay, yeah. so should I get this credit card? But then like, I don't want it because then I'm, I'm tempted to, to use it. And I know I don't have that money just yet, but then like in a month, like I might have it. Yes. Well, and that's like a huge, you know, in the financial world, I guess you could say like the credit score Mm-hmm. It's honestly a huge lie that as a culture, we believed. And so like what your dad said is totally normal. Like I had professors in college tell us, like my Econ 101 professor stood in the front of our lecture hall and was like, go get a credit card, just pay with your gas with it and pay it off and start building your credit score. And I was like, what? And so the truth <sighs> is though, 
with your credit score, mathematically speaking, it's all calculated by debt. So it's the new type of debt you're accumulating. If you're paying on time, what types of debts you have. I mean, it is all based on debt. So I call it an I love debt score because you have to be (laughs) in debt, staying in debt to get this great score and you get this great score to go into more debt. Like that's what they pull to go when you, if you need a car loan. And so the reasons you have a credit score is to go into more debt. Now, some places like your insurance or an apartment uh, complex, if you try to rent an apartment, there are places that will try to pull your credit. But if you have, if you don't have a credit score and it's non-sufficient is basically what it says, like they don't have the information to calculate it, you don't get penalized for that. And so it's hard to go into debts when you don't have a credit score. But that's my whole message is I'm like, I want you to stay out of debt completely. Yeah. Uh, and so the credit score myth is it's a big one. And we won't get too granular into this, but you can get a mortgage and the mortgage is the one type of debt I won't yell at you for. So, but you can get a mortgage without a credit score. So there's a way around that. But yeah, I've never had debt in my entire life and I've never had a credit score and I'm, I'm alive. <laughs> and I travel and I, you know, do all the things. But yeah, yeah, the credit score thing, it's a big deal because a lot of people, you know, I meet and I'm like, man, your credit score is higher than the money you have in your bank account. Like that's opposite. Like it shouldn't be like that. And so they focus all their energy. That's, yeah, that's, that doesn't make sense. Yes, on the score, that really just means that you're in debt and staying in debt and sure you're paying it on time, but it's to go into more debt. So, but that's a great point because it's it's something that's talked about a lot. Yeah. I think the most popular kind of debt through nursing school, medical school, et cetera, is student loan debt. And I am riddled with it. And so is my boyfriend, which we will likely get married and have our debt together. So I'm going to need a really smart financial advisor to talk with that about. My main question is, so another thing people in healthcare do is go through these degrees and they also rack up credit card debt because they can't they can't live while they can't have other jobs while they're in school or if you do have other jobs you're just not making it I I was like a trifecta so I got divorced which was bad and then I (laughs) bad financially then I went right into my doctorate which was also bad financially because I took out student loans for it and I had multiple health problems and stuff through my doctorate so like my credit card debt was racked up from that so I never like actually recovered for any of those before I went on to the next thing. So I finally graduated and last year because of my side hustle and whatever, I was able to pay off $28,000 in credit card debt. So a lot, but it's gone and it feels really it's good. Awesome. So now I can start dumping it onto my student loans. But I guess my question is, what information would you have to give regarding student loan debt? Do you have tips and tricks sound so generic and kind of ridiculous, but like, I know you're going to say pay it off. But do you have any specific things to mention regarding student loan debt? Yes. And I'd say with this audience too, it's a little unique because the great thing, especially if I'm talking to someone with like a law degree or a medical degree, yes, that means probably more debt than the average person. But the the good thing is majority of the time, number one, you have job security. So like being a nurse or a doctor, like you're, you're probably always going to be able to find a job no matter what city you're in, where you are. And you're going to be paid more on average than just the average person who has a degree in English, right? So like someone that has $200,000 in student loans, that's a doctor or a nurse is in a different situation than someone that has $200,000 with a bad, you know, um, a PhD in English. And I've met them and they end up being a teacher and they're making 40 grand a year. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, right. okay, these are two different situations, the same amount of debt. But the the positive thing about 
you know, your audience that's listening is you're going to have a big shovel. Like you're, you have a big hole, but you have a really big shovel. And so what you have to learn, number one, is when you start making that money, you cannot live like you're a doctor. Like you need to live like you're a broke medical student still, because there's no way that you're going to pay off this debt in time, you know, in any t- amount of time that's reasonable, if you start to live like the doctor lifestyle, because I know a lot of people in the medical, I mean, you go, like, man, you get, you start making some money and you're like, okay, I'm gonna go get my new car, gotta get a car. getting a great, I'm gonna get a great apartment. Like, I'm just, you know, you're going to start living that life. And you really have to rein back. And it takes a lot of self control. It takes a lot of maturity to say, you know what, I'm going to spend the next three to four years of my life sending basically my whole paycheck towards the student loan and getting it out of the way. Because what happens when you're debt free completely, not only um, not only are you free financially, which means when you get your paycheck in and you have no student loans, you have no bills, girl, go get you the car, like go get you the nice apartment, like you actually have the money and the flexibility and the options and the freedom financially to make these decisions more on a strong foundation versus trying to like dig out of a hole, but then you're trying to live this life. And when you try to do all these things at once, you make no progress. And so being really diligent about that. And then once you are debt-free, you have options, like you actually have money. And then also like the side, emotional side of it as well is so real that when you don't owe anyone anything, man, things start to change in your life. Like you actually get to start prioritizing and saying, okay, what do I want my life to look like? Like, what do I want to do? I've been in this sector of the medical field, but I'm really, my heart is being pulled towards this thing, but I wasn't able to do this thing because I wouldn't pay my bills. But now that you don't have bills, maybe you get to move jobs. Maybe you get to change locations. Like so much opens up uh, in your life when you're debt-free. And so again, the positive thing about you all listening that are in the medical world more than likely, you're making a great amount of money that you can put towards that great amount of student loan debt. So anytime you're paying off debt, though, we'll go back there. I always teach people to pay off the smallest amount first. So even if it's credit card debt, or you have a car loan, pay that off first. Don't base it off the interest rate, base it off of the amount of debt you have. Because personal finance, it's 80% behavior. It's only 20% head knowledge. So The knowledge part, yes, mathematically speaking, you should pay off the highest interest rate first. But if we were doing math, we wouldn't be in credit card debt, right? Like You would say, okay, I don't have the money. I can't buy it. And so math isn't always part of the equation. It is these quick wins. And like you said, like you paid off, how much was it again in credit card debt? $28,000, which I, I was so embarrassed to admit I even had until I paid it off. Oh, girl, you're normal. I mean, that's like, yeah, but, but when you did it, it's like, Oh, wow. I was like, oh, I can do this. Like, I, I felt so alive. I was and, and I, I had the money to pay it off. And I held on to that money for like three months before I actually paid off the cards. And I was like, I just have to do it, it was like the anxiety. I don't know about actually that sum of money being gone was something. And then then after it was done, I was like, Oh, I just feel so much better. Like I, you know, totally. So. Yes. Yeah. It's like this weight being lifted off your shoulders. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I always tell people have a $1,000 emergency fund, have $1,000 in the bank, and then everything else goes towards paying off debt. And student loans, oh. you know, that's probably going to be your last set of debt, especially if you have one large loan. Now, if you have multiple student loans, then you can break those up and put them in what we call the debt snowball when you list out all of your debts smallest to largest. But when you get to that medical debt, that's your mountain. Like that's your Everest. And you look and you're like, okay, wow, like tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Yeah. 
And that's when you have to be diligent and you have to stay the course. And it's so hard, again, because we live in a world where you see what everyone's doing on social media, you're going to be pulled in so many directions, it's going to be hard to sacrifice. But if you stick with it, and you pay off all of your debt, then you have this salary coming in this money coming in. And you're free, you have no you don't owe anyone anything. And you get to start building wealth, you get to enjoy your money, you get to give a bunch of it away. And you really live this financial uh, freedom in your life versus being tied to student loans and feeling like it's like your third roommate that you just have hanging out all the time for the next 20 years of your life. So get them out, pay them off. And it, it takes a lot of work and sacrifice, but it's so worth it. And it's time for Noom. So as you guys have probably heard me and Danny talk about, we're both trying to really make time for self-care and develop healthier habits so that we can feel our best. And it's not just about losing the weight. It's about feeling your best and making the better choices that improve both the way you feel physically and mentally as well. I'm loving my personal health coach. I told her on top of meeting my daily step goals, I really wanted to challenge myself to 30 days of yoga because I've never done anything and really put my mind to it for 30 days. I specified with her it's hot yoga and we actually made calorie adjustments because I was ravenous from everything I was burning off and I needed more food. We also talk about the emotions tied to food and the comfort it can bring. This is why I'm loving using Noom. It's really a life integrated approach to health. I'm feeling more energized and better about myself and Noom has made it so easy to get to this point and make sure I don't go off track. I've been using Noom to make better choices and honestly, I've been feeling great. Noom is not a diet. It's an easy to stick to way of life that helps you make better choices and set reasonable goals for yourself. We're all so busy, but Noom makes it easy to fit it into your daily life. It also asks for 10 minutes a day, which is so doable, even for the busiest people. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make really big progress. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash WOMED. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash WOMED. What do you really have to lose besides the weight? <laughs> Start your trial today at Noom.com slash WOMED. It's the last weight loss program you'll need. Okay. I figured you would say that. <laughs> but yeah. I like these <laughs> I like these tips. And you know, so I do another thing I used to be really terrible about. And Danielle, you can chime in here anytime. Danielle also paid off her student loans re very recently. Like, I did. I had an Instagram will I will promote for certain companies, and they pay very well. And I had amassed this like small chunk of money, and I was like, I just this interest rate just felt so high. And I was talking to my dad. I'm like, Dad, I just I just want to get rid of it. Like, I have enough right here. I can just pay off my student loans and I can just be done with it. And I never have to worry about it. And he's like, okay, we'll do it. And I did. <laughs> oh, great. So you kind of had the anxiety thing too. Yeah. You know, that's awesome though. But I mean, like, yeah, you taste that little bit of like, oh, it's just not around your neck. Like, I mean, that's what it feels yeah. like. It's like this weight. And once it's off, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Now I get to like actually enjoy my life versus being worried right. and stressed out about my money all the time. And I hate using credit cards like and and but I feel like with the whole credit score thing like I have to do that and so is it is it possible to not use credit cards and like be okay 
It is. <laughs> I'll be that friend to tell you, yes. Yeah. I mean, it is. And I say that out of personal experience. Like I've never had a credit card. I have a debit card. I have two work or I have a, two personal debit cards and a work debit card. Obviously at Ramsey Solutions, we're all about being debt-free. So we don't have credit cards even at the company. Yeah. Oh, wow. And my, and my husband and I, I'm like, man, I mean, we're we're booking a trip for our 10-year wedding anniversary overseas. We, I've traveled everywhere. Uh, I have two kids. Like, I mean, I'm like, I'm living life and we live a really fun, great life. And, but you just, what it does is it, it it forces you to, when you're spending your own money, there's a different mm-hmm. type of accountability versus yeah. a card. Uh, and you actually end up spending less when you spend mm-hmm. your own money, even with a debit card, but cash or a debit card, you end up spending less. And you're just living life. The way I've viewed it is when you when you live life with a credit card, even if it's just a, hey, I pay it off every month. Are there people that pay it off every month? Sure. But 42% of Americans don't. And they have an average balance of $15,000 of credit card debt. Oh, wow. And when well, that, that happens, it's like, you know, and again, the medical thing, like you didn't, you know, you Danny, like, a little bit of a different situation, but for the average person out in America with $15,000 of credit card debt, it's crap they don't need. Like, I mean, like you're buying stuff that our culture has told us, like you have to have this, to have this standard of living. This is what your life should look like. And you think, okay, if I don't have an iPhone or two cars, you know, flat screen TVs in our house and the NFL package on Comcast, like if I don't have all these Mm -hmm. things, I'm not normal and I, I should be normal. Like this is how my life should be. And so we just accumulate so much stuff that we can't afford. And then our stuff ends up owning us. And so yeah. by eliminating credit cards just in general, you just allow the path to say, okay, if I don't have the money, I'm not going to buy it. And I'm actually going to have to take the time and save up and pay cash for it. Um, and so that's kind of one sector of people with their credit cards. Some, they have to depend on their credit cards to pay their bills because they're not budgeting. Maybe they're not making enough Uh, at their work to pay for their current lifestyle. And that's when you have to really reevaluate a bunch of things if you're kind Mm -hmm. of in that camp. And then there's those of you, Danielle, in your camp that it's like, hey, well, I have one because it's kind of normal. Like everyone has a credit card. You build the credit score. Like that's what you do. And so I I always laugh because I'm like, our whole, my, my whole message is like, don't be normal because normal is broke. I mean, not saying you're broke, but like, (laughs) yeah, normal is 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. They can't cover a $1,000 emergency. You know, I mean, majority, like it's like 83% of Americans can't cover a $5,000 emergency. There's no savings. They're living paycheck to paycheck. They have credit card debt. Like if that's normal, I don't want to be normal. Like put me on Mm -hmm. the other side of like weirdness when it comes to money because that means you're actually winning. And so living the normal mindset, you're going to get normal results. And so you do radical things like cut up the credit card and just say, hey, I'm not going to live with a credit card. And so your credit score, and in your case, yes, it will go down. But after about 18 months, again, there's not that information for them to calculate it. And so it just becomes basically like a non-sufficient credit score. They just can't, oh, they don't wow. have the, it's not a zero because a zero is a bad credit score. It just ends up being nothing. But again, mm. at the end of the day, it... It's not stopped me from doing anything I've wanted to do in my life. I had no idea. If that convinces you at all, Danielle. Yeah, it does. (laughs) I had no idea. I want to like have that episode of Friends where they just go and cut up all the credit cards. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So people in my position who have a different debt to income ratio, as far as like being a physician, they have the same amount of debt, but we're not physicians. So we don't get paid like physicians. So many of my colleagues rely on the public service loan repayment for their loans, meaning they pay every month for 
uh, 10 years. And then at the end of the 10 years, their loans are forgiven and then they pay taxes on the remaining balance, but that's, that's what's forgiven. And so it's, it's turning out that this program isn't all it's cut out to be. And it's very particular about where you work. You have to file paperwork every year, yada, yada, yada. And now I'm like coming to my senses and realizing that this is not something that I want to do. Like if I don't have to carry around student loan debt for 10 years, I don't want to. And I'm also paying, you know, that also prevents you from refinancing to a lower interest rate with like a company like SoFi or something like that. So my question is, what are your thoughts on that program if you're familiar with it? And what do you think about refinancing with like companies like SoFi for a lower interest rate so you can pay off faster? That's a great question because I was wondering about that too. Yes. So we'll tackle the student loan repayment stuff first. Um, So I'll just be honest, anything that talks about, hey, student loan forgiveness or any kind of thing in that vein when the government is in charge of it, I'm always really weary. Okay. (laughs) Because on the back end, there's there's always things that end up changing, whether it's the person in office and maybe they have a bill that totally reverses things. It just, it's so out of your control. And so I always tell people like, what you can do in your household is way more important than what's, than what's going on or put, getting put off in Washington. Because even they, they, like someone was promoting student loan forgiveness and I was looking at the numbers and it was like 42,000 people applied last year for I think just standard student loan forgiveness in general. And only, it was like 16 people got it or something. I mean, the, the ratios were absolutely insane. Wow. But yet they surprised. make it feel hopeful. Like, oh yeah, you know, you can just, you know, because there's a whole generation that believes my student loans will just be forgiven if a certain person gets in office or, yep. you know, whatever right. it is. And, and there are programs out there. And I have heard more of, if it's a, which may not be your case, but, you know, some companies will say, hey, if you come work for me for three years, we'll forgive your student loans after this amount of time. And if it's a company you love, that may be a great deal for you. But that's more in the private sector versus the public. So anything around the government, I'm always weary of because I feel like you're putting your destiny in their hands Mm -hmm. versus your own and saying, hey, I'm going to just take control of my life and my money. Whatever happens over there happens, but I'm going to do something different. So that's always kind of my tilt in life is just taking the control in your life versus depending on someone else, especially Washington. And yeah. so, yeah, I would say for you, Dana, like, again, if, if there's some great deal and you see something and it's like, okay, yeah, this could start working, dig into it and look. But usually if it sounds too good to be true, it is. And the idea of having your student loans around for 10 years, I'm like, oh, I hate that because I've heard of people paying off crazy amounts of student loan debt while they're working or doing a side hustle, they're doing all this other stuff. And just because they put the motivation and a plan together, they pay it off within three years, four years versus having it for 10. And so I would say being intense and working a plan, again, under your control, I like a whole lot better than giving someone else the control out of of your life, if that makes sense. Um, Now, refinancing, yes, I'm all about. Now, with traditional like Sally Mae loans, you can only do that once. You can consolidate usually once and for a smaller interest rate. So if you do that, that's totally fine. Just make sure, again, the interest rate is one that is lower than your current interest rate. I've heard horror (laughs) stories of people refinancing and it changes. And I'm like, oh no, that's the opposite way that she wanted to go. Um, So looking into, yeah, refinancing is totally fine. And again, consolidating. Uh, I'm not big on debt consolidation in general, but student loans is the one type of debt I'm okay with. um, Because usually you're not going back into student loan debt for most people. And so if you... If you find a great place that, you, hey, I can consolidate this with a lower interest rate, that may be a great option too. That's wonderful information. Yes. I, yes, I, yes, and yes. I, 
I do like how much you're touching on like the psychological aspect of all of this as well, which you, your most recent book touches on that. Is that correct? Is it? uh, Yeah, it is. It it talks a lot about comparison and just kind of this lifestyle mm -hmm. that we've fallen into, it feels like as a culture and that what we expect and the fact that we see what everyone else has all the time. And when you're constantly comparing your life to everyone else's, like that measuring stick, that finish line changes all the time and you're trying to keep up. And then that's left us as a culture in debt with a bunch of stuff we don't need. (laughs) And, and, you know, and and we think that it's going to make us happy and it doesn't at the end of the day. So yeah, there's a lot of contentment and comparison stuff in that book. But, but again, personal finance, I go back to it's true, though, it's, it's behavior, it's 80% your attitude, what the plan you choose to go on, and what you do with your money, not what you know, because personal finance, if you think about it, like, like, common sense still reigns like you people know, okay, if I don't have the money, I probably shouldn't buy it. I should save for a rainy day. Like, I mean, all these like common mm-hmm. sense what things that we think about that are kind of old school, they still work, but you can know all of that, but doing it is what's difficult. And so there's a level of accountability and a level of saying, hey, this is my stuff. My mistakes are my fault. I did this. I signed up mm-hmm. for this. So I had now have to take charge of my life. I'm not going to depend on someone else to clean up my mess. And sadly, there is a sector of people that think that it's someone else's business to clean up their mess. And those people just, they don't get ahead. They get stuck in this terrible cycle. And so empowering people to say, you have the ability to change where you are. If you don't like where you are financially, you get to make a decision to do something different. But doing something different and changing your behavior, it's hard. It's not always fun. It's uncomfortable. But you're going to get a a different and usually a better result when you do wise things with money that you may not have been doing, you know, this time last week even. So you'd say that whole comparison that society is facing with like social media, do you think that's the biggest contributing factor to our financial debt? I don't know if I'd say it's the biggest, but I think it plays a huge role in it because never before have we had a society that you get to pull up Instagram, you know, and see someone that you've never met before on this incredible trip. And you're like, oh, wow, suddenly I was kind of okay with my life until this person and this blogger in Salt Lake City that I've never met before is building this beautiful home or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. And so you just get this, um, this dose of what you don't have. And sadly, we can live there a lot. Like we can live in the fact of like, oh, my vacation wasn't as great as theirs. And my house isn't as pretty as theirs wow, they're married, I'm not, they have kids, I don't. I mean, whatever it is, it's like thrown in your face. And we all know Mm -hmm. this, but Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, all of it, I'm like, it's everyone's highlight reel. Like it's not even people's real life. And so you're comparing your life to make-believe and then you're chasing around this fantasy world that doesn't exist and you feel like it does in everyone else's life, but yours. So then you feel like, okay, I need more stuff to fulfill that. And it just is this, vicious cycle. And it's like, man, no. And so learning to the title of the book, love your life, not theirs is it is. It's huge. Contentment is a huge part of winning financially too. It's very hard to win financially. It's very hard to save money. It's very hard to sacrifice your lifestyle Mm -hmm. and pay off debt. It's very hard to do those things when you are not content. When you are discontent, you will stay in that cycle of just buying, 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 thinking things are going to make you happy. Yeah. But when you can stop and just say, you know what? I'm going to believe that stuff does not fulfill my happiness. It can be fun. Mm-hmm. You Trust me, a new purse, it's fun. A new car, it's fun. Like things are fun. 
But yeah. the true core of your heart and who you are is not going to be fulfilled by that. I mean, I have a closet no. full of clothes and I still walk in. I'm like, oh, I have nothing to wear. Right? Like it doesn't satisfy you, even though yeah. you think, oh, there's a sale at J. Crew. I'm going to feel so good if I just go get some new clothes. And so you really have to stop and say, okay, if I can truly be content, if I can be grateful and humble and content, if I can have these character qualities in my life and my heart, mm-hmm. that in turn is possibly going to affect your 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 money because when you are content, that's when you can say, you know what, I'm going to clean up this mess over here, the tactical side of my of my financial life. Uh, and then you'll see, wow, there is uh, there's such freedom in, in the heart and emotional side and also the financial side. I feel That's that. amazing. It's, but it's so true. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm on this whole renewed financial journey now. <laughs> to you, like I'm really excited, but we've, we've talked a little bit about debt. I want to talk about saving. And, and one of the things when you, your first like big girl job out of school, you have a 401k and like, the hospital's like, okay, I'll match this much for, so if you put in this much, we'll match this much. And, it, and you're like, okay, I'm going to start saving my, for my retirement now. What do you feel like is the best practice for that? Should we have separate accounts outside of the 401k? How much should we match? How, like, yes. I'm still very confused on how all of that works. Totally. Yeah. And I would say the investment side, when it comes to your money, it's probably the most intimidating, the yeah. most confusing, all of that. So like, yeah, I would say um, for sure, just know that going in. Like if you're overwhelmed and confused, that's fine because it is, it's a very intimidating part of uh, the financial world. So before you start contributing to retirement, any kind of investing, I want you to be debt-free, which a lot oh, of your audience right. just gasped. They're like, crap, my student, my, these student loans we're talking about, what? Because, because again, I want all of your focus, all of your money, anything possible going towards paying that off because you're going to pay that off faster. Versus trying to do 18 different things. So pay off all of your debt. And then I want you to have three to six months of expenses saved in the bank for a fully funded emergency fund. And so once you have that and you're like, okay, check, all that's good. Then you can start contributing to retirement. So my rule of thumb is 15% of your income then should be going towards retirement. Oh, wow. So start off with that match, the 401k. That's great. I mean, if if your employer offers that, that's awesome. Um, Go ahead and do that, your 401k. And then also look into a Roth IRA. An IRA is just a traditional retirement vehicle, but the Roth side of it means that it grows tax-free. And if you start all of this early on in life, like in your 30s, by the time you're 65, I mean, like that has, with compound interest and all of them, and you're, you could have millions of dollars truly in retirement. And if you don't have to pay taxes on them because it's in a Roth, it's in a Roth Praise Jesus, hallelujah. Like no one wants to pay taxes on millions of dollars. So no. So start contributing to your Roth IRA. And there is a limit every year for what you can contribute. And there's an income limit as well. So if you look and say, okay, I'm making too much to be eligible for a Roth IRA, I would go talk to, with all of this, with your 401k, your Roth IRA, go talk to an investment professional. Go talk to someone that does this for a living And Mm -hmm. I always tell people, when you go see this person, number one, make sure they have the heart of a teacher, not the heart of a salesman. Because there can be some greasy, nasty people in that industry. But there's also some really great people. So have someone that you can sit down with and they can actually teach you and show you what you're doing with your money when you're investing. Because again, it's an intimidating part and a lot of people don't understand it. So I really want Mm -hmm. you to understand everything you're putting your money in. But the 401k, the Roth IRA... 
two best places, yes, for retirement investing. And the earlier you can do it, oh, better off you're going to be. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. That's like kind of where the math geekiness comes out in me where I'm like, compound interest. Like it's like, if you just put in like just a couple thousand dollars a year, I'm like what it can grow to so quickly. uh, It's amazing because a lot of Americans, they don't get to that point. But but, but paying off debt, having that emergency fund and doing retirement, it takes a lot of intentionality and it takes a lot of planning and being very purposeful. And so that's what you have to understand. Like this stuff isn't just going to happen to you. Like you're not going to accidentally just, sure, I'll just save some money. I'll just pay off some debt. No, you have to be really, really intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's it's easier to fund your, your 401k and all of that when you don't have payments from your student loans. So that's why I always yeah. say pay off your debt first. That's amazing advice. I didn't even think, I didn't think about it that way. Yes. And and I, and uh, if you go to rachelcruz.com, we have smart investor pros, people in that industry that I recommend all over the country. So go check them out. Okay. And again, if you don't feel comfortable with someone, don't put your money in if you don't trust them, because the last thing you want to do is put your money in something that you don't understand and you don't trust the person, you don't like them. Find yeah. someone that's like, hey, yeah, I'll teach you all of this. I'll show you. There's people like that. So definitely find someone like that. On rachelcruz.com, do you have people who are versed in like small business taxes as well? Like, or I mean, small business investments as well. Like if I take my, some of my money from my side hustle and want to invest it in uh, retirement, basically, as well as what I'm doing from my current job in the hospital. I mean, are there people that can help with that? Too? Yes, investing in account in, in different retirement accounts outside of the 401k. Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Those okay. smart investor pros, yes, okay. will be able to help you with all of that. Yep. Oh, wow. And if you go to DaveRamsey.com, there's like a whole list of what they call ELPs, endorsed local providers. So even people like within taxes and real estate and all of that. So our goal is to give you as many tools and people in all this whole world that. Uh, will help you. They're not trying to like scam you or like get your money, but truly walk right. with you through it. Um, because again, there's people out there that are really great at it and then really terrible at it. So wow, we want to get you the good people. Thank you. I had, I didn't know you had that. That's very yes, helpful. Yeah. We'll have your site and everything linked to this episode too. So people will be directed to go there. Awesome. I'm going to say, I'm saving your website. It's like bookmarked. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Because it's so helpful. And finance has never been my strong suit. I Like math has never been my strong suit. I can look at all the health-related math on the planet. But when it comes to mortgages and savings and bank accounts and compound interest, I don't really understand it all. It's not, it's like... The numbers are like floating in front of me and I don't, I don't get it. So. Yes. And, and, and know this too, which is kind of what we talked about, but again, I feel like hopefully nothing on this podcast has been like rocket science or, or someone listening is like, I don't understand what she said. Because again, when you go back to just the common sense and the basics, like that's yeah. what you really need to know to win. And so you don't have, yeah. you know, some people believe like, oh, I'm terrible at math. I can never win with money. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Um, you can be bad at math and still know how to do a budget and still save right. money and be intentional with where it's going. But it's hard because no one teaches this. Like it's not taught in schools. Half the time, parents, you know, when they were raising us and we were in their household for 18 years, they're trying to survive, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> let alone thinking about teaching their kids about money. You know, you go to college and you get all mixed messages and you get credit card stuff thrown at you. You get, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a mess out there. And so giving a really um, specific guided path for people that has a lot of hope around it 
is my mm-hmm. prayer that that our message does because it's it's like it can be very complicated and very overwhelming but once you start at, you know doing these steps one at a time then you start to feel the control that's amazing this is going to be so helpful for all of our listeners i think so Good. too i'm so glad so so glad it's very simple and basic and I think it touches on like the main problems that we have, at least like gives us a starting point, you know, like, God, it's just so much and so overwhelming. And I just shut down and I, I never used to even look at my bank account. I would never even log in to see what was happening because I was like so nervous to see what was happening. Now I log in like every day, at least to make sure like nothing fishy is going on. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's you're just so right. And you're so on the right ta- track. It's so emotional. And it has so much to do with your self-worth, I think, as well. And uh, making the effort, like if you really want to be better at it, you have to take the time to log into your checking account every day. You know, like something That's as right. simple That's as that. Absolutely right. Yep. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. It has been you've you've been so helpful. And like like you said, it's not it's a lot of it's common sense, but you have a way of describing these financial situations that most people are really anxious about and are scary in a in a very calm way in a in a way that makes it feel very attainable and that's a really special quality that you have so thank you so much for for coming on and taking the time to to speak with us and our listeners you're a wealth of awesome knowledge and a boss ass human so we're very <laughs> very thankful. Well, thanks for, for having me on. Yeah. And being able to share it. So I I really, really appreciate it. Um, where all can people find you? You um said rachelcruz.com, you have your website, you have your podcast. Is there any um do you want to promote like your Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Any social. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I'm on. And then I also have a show that we do on YouTube, a video type awesome. show. So you can check that out on YouTube as well. Okay. And we'll, we'll link all of it in the show notes. I'm a new subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Right. I really appreciate it. All right. We'll met out.